High school friends, how are we doing tonight? Woo! That's a beautiful response. It's good to see each and every one of you here tonight. Uh, my name is James Ricker, and I'm your high school coordinator here. And uh, every week I work alongside Stow and Anna and an amazing youth staff um, to be able to serve you guys, to hang out with y'all, and to ultimately um, help you guys on this journey as we follow Christ together. And so I just wanted to say thank you for being here tonight. It's so good to see each and every one of you. Um, it's been a good past couple weeks in our series titled Suit Up. And um, this series has been all about putting on the armor of God. Um, that there's, not, there's, that there's a battle going on, um, not of flesh and blood, but of spiritual things. It's a spiritual battle. And so first week we heard Stow preach an amazing message on, what was it, about a belt or something? Like a Gucci belt? The belt of truth. Okay, thank you, Faust. All right, so the first week we learned about the belt of truth. And we learned that truth is not relative. It's not just something that I experience. You may have a different truth than me. Although culture says that, uh, we can stand on God's truth. And we know that there is an absolute truth, which is God. And the second week we heard from Trevor. All right, and Trevor had some cool illustrations. And he taught us a lot. But the main thing Trevor talked to us about was what? The breastplate of righteousness. If you can say that, you get 10 points. 10 points to where? We don't know. But you get 10 points. Uh, so, yeah, Trevor talked about the breastplate of righteousness, and it was awesome. And we learned that righteousness is not something that we muster up and we do out of our good deeds, but it is a gift given to us by God. When we accept Christ, now we put on his righteousness, and God sees us as he sees Jesus. And so I was blessed by that message, and tonight we get to talk about Something. I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip to, or if it's on your phone, go ahead and flip to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 14 and 15, and I'm going to flip here too. All right. Ephesians 6, starting in 14 and 15, we'll give a little context. Chapter 14 says, or verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And here's our verse for tonight. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So with that word being said, I'd like to pray for us that God would just speak to us in this moment. So Jesus, we thank you so much for tonight. Um, God, thank you for letting a goofball like me come up here and speak um, and declare your word and stand on your word. And I pray that we would be moved, um, and that your word, like you say, would not return empty, God, but that you would do something in us. We thank you so much for what you're going to do in here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So tonight we're talking about shoes. Any of you in here say you like shoes? Would you say, I'm a shoe person. I have more than just one pair of shoes. That's a lot of hands. Okay, I have to be honest tonight. Yeah, I see KP. He's got both hands up. That's like me. I got to be honest, I am a shoe freak. Um, I told some of y'all this the story in Sunday school a couple weeks ago, but I was in high school, and I was in ninth grade, and I saw this guy wearing all kinds of shoes, this one dude, and I looked up to him a lot, and he always had a new pair of shoes on every day, and it inspired me, and so then I, in turn, became a shoe person as well. And so maybe you're in here tonight, and, uh, and we like all kinds of shoes, but we'll, get, we'll have a little fun with this. Maybe you're in here tonight, and you are a Crocs person. Is anybody in here rocking some Crocs? And I think Anna had a picture of Crocs up here. Okay. 
Hey, Anna, will you put up the picture of Crocs? No, it was, it was like a picture of Crocs with somebody. All I see are ankles. I don't see any. Ha-ha, there we go. That was my dad joke for the night. We just had to get that rid of. There's the camo because you can't see it. Thank you. Y'all made, me, y'all made me happy. All right, all right. Maybe you're not into camo Crocs, but maybe you like these bad boys. Ooh, those th- what are those? Those are pretty flames. Listen, Thomas said earlier, those things will get you there faster. I don't know where you're going in those things, but I hope you get there super speedy. Okay, maybe you're not a Crocs person. Okay, what if, maybe you were that dude or that gal in elementary school. You were the coolest kid because when it got dark in class and you would do this, you would stomp. Those puppies would light up. You know what I'm talking about? Light up sketchers. Those were the coolest things. And if you couldn't tie your shoes, nobody would know because you could just slip them right on. Okay, maybe you're not in the Skechers, but I hope that you're old enough. I hope that some of y'all have been able to experience this blessing of popping a wheel into your heel. Yeah, all right, we have some Heelys people in here tonight. Y'all, that was a life-changing experience, getting my first pair of Heelys. It was amazing. You were the coolest kid in school if you could pop them in. Actually, we got, they, we got Healy's band from my elementary school. And so we would like walk with the heels like this so that nobody would notice. But most people don't walk around like that. Okay, so maybe you're not into Healy's. What about ladies? Who in here loves their Uggs? Their Ugg boots. All right, I'm team Uggs. I have a pair of man Uggs. They're the comfiest things. Guys, if you are looking for ultimate comfort around the house, I recommend Uggs. We're not sponsored. We're not getting paid by that. Okay, all right, maybe you're not into Uggs, but I feel like everybody in here at one point in their life has rocked a good pair of Vans, right? And no? Oh, my goodness. I feel like Vans are just essential. The black Vans go with anything. Okay, all right, maybe you're in two camps tonight, all right? There's two things in our culture today, and they are warring at each other. One is Team Nike, Team Nike or Team Adidas. Who in here is Team Nike? There we go. What about Team Adidas? Solid. That's the majority of the room. That seems to be the trend these days. And so I find myself here tonight on Team Adidas because I have a pair of shoes on. Um, they are, happen to be my favorite pair of shoes. And they have, they're my favorite pair of shoes. They're a pair of Adidas, and they tell a story. And so I want to tell you a little bit about these shoes right here. You guys can look at them. I'll put my feet up. They're just basic white Stan Smith tennis shoes, and, uh, but they tell a cool story. They're, they're a little bit more than just a pair of shoes. And so uh, last, last spring, uh, during spring break, me and my best friend in the world, Jake, decided to go on a cross-country road trip all the way out to Los Angeles, California. If you can ever do that, maybe your senior trip, I recommend it because it was so much fun. And so uh, literally a year ago, we decided to get in the car, and we were going to drive 10 days across the country all the way to LA. And so it was so cool because they went with me to our first uh, stop in Nashville. They went with me through uh, to Arkansas to my uncle's house. They went with me on the longest ride ever through Kansas. If you're from here, if you're in here from Kansas, I'm sorry. My fiance Haley in here is from Kansas. And so she was born there. We're sorry, Haley. But it was just four hours of just flat farm nothing. And, and it really made Jake and I really upset at each other. But we went from Kansas, and then we eventually made it to Colorado. And so keep in mind, I'm wearing these shoes with me everywhere I go. And so I've been everywhere in it. And eventually we get up to Colorado, and there's this really cool story. We were driving 
up a mountain in Colorado, and Jake was like, stop what you're doing. And I was driving, and so I didn't know what was going on. I was freaked out, and he said, pull over on the side of the interstate, all right? And he was like, look over there, and I saw over to the left, there was this frozen lake in Colorado. Now, it's springtime, so the lake might not be so frozen, but he was like, what we're going to do is we're going to get out of this car, we're going to run across the interstate, and we're going to jump on that frozen lake, and we're going to dance. And I was like, all right, Jake, you're my best friend for a reason. I'll do what you say. And so we get out of the car, we run across the interstate, and we find ourselves on this frozen lake. And we were dancing. And I have proof of that tonight. So, Anna, will you show us? It was amazing. And I busted my booty. Can y'all give it up for my busted booty? Yeah, it hurt so bad, uh, but the memory was amazing. And that's the last time I'm ever going on a frozen lake on the interstate in Colorado, most likely because I won't be in Colorado near a frozen lake. But it was amazing. Eventually, after Colorado, we got our way to L.A. And so by the end of this trip, these old puppies went from nice pearly white shoes to dirty, disgusting ketchup. Don't ask me how I got ketchup on these. Uh, coffee covered, sand covered. They had been through Nashville. They had been through the, uh, the snow in the mountains. They had been covered in sand from an L.A. beach. And so that's why these shoes are my favorite because they're not just any pair of kicks, but they have a story. They've been with me. They've been a part of an amazing journey that I experienced all the way across the country. And that's what I'm gonna talk about tonight. As part of the armor of God, God gives us spiritual shoes for our feet. And these shoes tell us a story, one of good news and peace. And so tonight I want to preach a message called, I got peace on my feet. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, I got peace on my feet. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you have beautiful feet. Isn't that such a nice thing to say to each other at church? And so we've learned that we're in this spiritual war, and God gives us armor to protect us and weapons to use for the fight. But what's interesting about these shoes that God is telling us about tonight is that God doesn't say, put on these shoes so you can get ready to drop kick the devil in the face. See, that's what I would imagine would be the shoes that God would give us. I would imagine, have y'all seen the SpongeBob movie? Y'all remember that movie? Um, I would imagine it's more like the guy with the spiky thing, and he's about to, like, step on SpongeBob. And then. That's what I would have thought that God would have given us spiritually for these shoes so that we can attack, whoo, kickbox anybody that's in our way. But no, it says something interesting. It says, Paul is talking about these shoes represent peace. And so if we're in a war, why would one of our weapons be peace? That sounds kind of counterintuitive. I can tell you this. The enemy that we're fighting spiritually, that would be the last thing he would ever give you. The last thing the enemy would ever do is bring you and me peace. See, we learned last week from Trevor that John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. The thief is a punk that comes into your life and just wants to shake everything up. and wants to take everything you've got going on in your life, throw it up in the air, and just watch it land and hope that you break. And so the enemy would never give you peace. And so that is what is important about this tonight. The second part of that verse, John 10, 10, though, is that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come 
to give you life and life to the full. So that's the good news tonight, that Jesus gives us abundant life. And so we're talking about this word peace tonight. And the world has one definition of peace, and Jesus has a different one. And so the worldly definition of peace, which there's nothing wrong with this, um, is defined as this, uh, according to the dictionary. Worldly peace is freedom from disturbance. It's a state or period in which there is no war going on. That makes sense. Uh, everybody wants world peace. They don't want war. That's not a bad thing to want. But then there's this peace that Jesus gives us. And we can find out what he says about peace in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Let's flip there now. Ephesians 2, 14. Paul's saying this. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And so what Paul is talking about here tonight is he was talking about two different types of people, Jews and Gentiles, back in the day. And uh, a lot of people believe that only Jews were going to be able to inherit the kingdom of God. Only Jews were going to be able to go to heaven. So Paul is smashing that theory, and he says that the wall that used to divide you from Jewish people, from everybody else, is smashed. But he's also talking about a spiritual side of peace. And if you don't know already, this wall of hostility that he's talking about is a spiritual wall from us and from God. And see, a lot of people don't realize this, but I want to remind us tonight is that this peace that God is talking about is actually peace with God. The peace that we're learning about tonight is that we need peace with God. Because before Jesus, there was no way to have an instant connection with God. And you got, some of you all have learned about this uh, through confirmation or through any kind of Bible study. But in the beginning, Adam and Eve sinned, which spun all of creation into this, uh, just into basically death. And they had no more instant connection with God. They couldn't be in perfect communion with him like God wanted us because God couldn't be around sin. And Romans 3.23 says this about us and our sin. It says that our sin separates us from God. Tonight, we need to know that sin separates us from God. Have you ever lost your phone? Yes. I feel you. I feel you. Even worse, have you ever had your phone and been in a phone call or maybe using your maps to drive somewhere and you lose service? You lose connection? That's the most stressful thing. I would put that at one of the most stressful things in my life is when I'm on the phone and I have T-Mobile, which I call T-Maybe because, like, you, it, can you hear me? Maybe. Like, it's just, it's kind of like that. And so I experience this loss of connection. And on a bigger scale, that is what humanity had with God is that one time we were in a phone call with him, we, we could hear him perfectly. He could hear us. But our sin got in the way and cut off connection. And so now what do we do? The good news tonight is that God had a plan, has always had a plan, okay? He had a plan from the beginning. He wasn't going to let things stay this way. What's interesting is that every other religion in this world has tried to come up with a way to fix this thing called sin. Every other religion in this world has tried to come figure out a way for you and for me on our own 
to come up with a way to defeat this sin. I've heard it said before as an image is that religion is like a ladder leading up to heaven, and you fall off the ladder, you better get back on the ladder, and you better start climbing. And if you fall back down, you better get back up, and you climb your way to God. But I think some of us in here know that fixing your mistakes or becoming a better person is not what's going to defeat sin, and it's not what's going to give us a relationship with God. See, God knew that we couldn't work hard enough to fix this problem. Sin is not just skin deep. Sin is not just skin deep, but it is a heart problem. It is a spiritual problem. The Bible actually says that it automatically puts us as spiritually dead. No in between. It says that we were born into sin and we were born spiritually dead, meaning apart from God. And so I don't want to beat you guys up with a bunch of like bad news because there is good news and that's what we're standing on here tonight is that there is good news and somebody shared it with us. See, John 3.16 says that God gave. And this isn't a cliche Tim Tebow verse. This is what Jesus said himself. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, Jesus was God's plan the whole time. So whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Salvation, this thing that we hear about, salvation is a free gift from God. Only if you believe and you trust in Jesus. Jesus came and he lived a sinless life and he loved people unlike the world had ever seen before. He actually loved people in a way that the world couldn't handle. He loved people without any boundaries. And this love confused the religious people of the day. And he was killed because of it. Jesus died for you and for me. But when he died, he took our sin with him on the cross. He took the judgment that we deserved. It was like that religion ladder that I told you about earlier. That every other religion tries to fix our sin by climbing our way up to God and earning his love. But a relationship with Christ is that God came down from the ladder and rescued you and pulled you up with him. So I think that's a really cool story of how God uh, rescued us from heaven, rescued us from life without him. How many of us know that Jesus dying on the cross is not where it ended? See, we're getting two weeks from now uh, is going to be a little thing called Easter, and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate that, yes, he died on the cross, a death that he didn't deserve to, but it was for us. But he was, his love is so powerful that the death couldn't, could not hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. And Jesus rose from the grave three days later, and now we get to stand in victory with him because of that. And so we're going to be celebrating that on Easter in a few weeks. When we die now, instead of being eternally apart from God, we can be eternally with him in heaven. See, Jesus is that peace that settled things between us and God once and for all. No longer would we have to have a spotty connection with God. No wonder would we have to wonder, God, are you here? God, do you hear me? But no, Jesus came so that we would have instant connection with him. He came to save us from things we didn't even realize we were doing. We were born sinful, but Jesus came to rescue us from that. And so our hope as a student ministry 
as a staff is that if you haven't made that decision or if you know somebody who hasn't made that decision, our hope is that you would um, one day take that step of faith to trust Jesus with your life, to trust him with your salvation, because it's the best decision that you could ever make. See, when I was 12 years old, I was at a conference similar to Believe, like uh, some of the students went on a couple weeks ago. And I had been going to church my whole life. I had been raised in church. I was at Sunday school. I was at everything that you could be at. Um, But I was at this conference, and this man was preaching. And he was preaching something that I hadn't really understood before. He was preaching this thing called the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus. And so up till that time, I thought that my ticket into heaven, I thought that my rightness with God was showing up to church and being a good boy. But I realized through that message that that man was speaking was that I was eternally separated from Jesus because of my sin. And when he taught me that Jesus came to save me from my sin and that we needed saving, I realized the gospel. It clicked to me. And some of you, most of you, have realized that and learned that and caught a hold of the truth that Jesus has given us. So I had never started a relationship with Jesus but I finally put my faith in him, and it all started to make sense. And so I was so excited. This, this experience had changed me. I was on the ground. I was crying. I was like, God, this makes so much sense. Thank you for saving me. And I was so pumped to get back to school and to tell everybody about it. Have any of y'all had an experience like that where you're super on fire for God, you're really excited, um, maybe you meet him for the first time, or maybe he gives you a revelation, he tells you something like he just blows your mind, and you're so excited to share it, and then somebody comes by and whoosh, blows that flame out. This happened to me, I was in sixth grade, and I got back to, to class, and I was with one of my football buddies, and I was like, hey, Will, dude, I just got saved this weekend. I have a relationship with Christ now, and now I'm going to heaven, and he goes, yeah, man, aren't we all? Whatever. And in that moment, it really deflated my balloon. It really blew out the fire that I had for Jesus because of this religious culture. And so in the South, in the South we have a stereotype of people just coming to church and using that as their salvation, as that, that church is their relationship with God. But the Bible is very clear on what a relationship with Jesus looks like. And so that conversation that I had with that student really turned me off to sharing my faith with people. But in fact, what we're learning tonight is that that is the exact opposite thing that Scripture tells us to do. See, we've been learning about this battle, how it's not physical. It's one of flesh. It's not of flesh and blood. This problem is not me against you, but it's me against spiritual things. There's more going on behind the scenes than we can see. So let's read our main verse again, because I wanted to take a look at it again. It's Ephesians 6, chapter Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. And as shoes for your feet, having as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Having put on the readiness. This means that the opposite of put on would be to take off. And see what the enemy wants us to do tonight is the enemy wants you to stay put with your faith and to keep your mouth shut. The enemy wants you to stay put and to shut up. He doesn't want you to talk about Jesus. He doesn't want you to share your joy, to share your faith with anybody. But the opposite of that is what God is telling us to do, is to put on these shoes of readiness given by the good news of Jesus. So I brought on stage tonight, I don't know if some of y'all are into shoes or not, but I brought on stage tonight a pair of my Yeezys, okay? And the middle schoolers were all like, fake, 
but let me tell you, they are real. I paid too much for them, but they're beautiful, and they are my Yeezys, and I love them, okay? And I want to talk about these Yeezys. When I wear them, uh, it's, it's got to be a special day. It's got to fit with my perfect outfit, all right? And I try to keep them super clean. They're, they smell good. Do you want to smell them? I'm just kidding. Um, but they look good. They're fresh. And what I do is I only wear them if I know I'm going to be inside. I only wear them if I know they're going to fit perfectly with my outfit. And I only wear them if I know that I won't spill something on them. And these Yeezys are a lot different than these shoes that I just spill Polynesian sauce over every time I go to Chick-fil-A. Shout out Polynesian. What I want to bring up tonight is that I fear that a lot of us who are believers, a lot of us who have this good news in them, treat our relationship with Jesus, they treat the good news of the gospel like I treat these Yeezys. Yeah, they're awesome. They're amazing. They look cool. But I only bring them out a couple times a week. I don't let them get dirty. I don't let people wear them. Oh, my goodness, no. If they crease these boys, I would be so upset. But in fact, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with this good news of the gospel should be more like these bad boys. These bad boys I took all the way across the country. They got dirty. They were with me everywhere. I wear these day in and day out. It doesn't matter whether I'm at the beach, whether I'm in the snow. It doesn't matter. And that's how we should be with this readiness of the good news of the gospel, that Jesus came here to save us from our sin. And I'm afraid that if we get too comfortable as a group, as a family, then how is that word going to be told to people? Because believe it or not, not everybody in your school, not everybody sitting next to you is spiritually alive. We forget this as Christians. We look at life through the view that God is good, that he's going to come through, and that we're going to be with him regardless of what's happening. But there are people that we experience with, maybe it's even in your own family, who don't have that hope that you might have. See, you and I, we have exactly what this world needs. We have hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. And that is the good news that we need to share with people. And so we're not going to be anymore treating our faith like these Yeezys, only on Sundays, only on times when it's comfortable for me, but we are going to treat our faith like these tattered up shoes. No matter where I go, I'm always ready to share the good news. It's not a switch that we need to turn on or off. Oh, I got to remember, I need to be good. I need to be a good kid. I need to be a spiritual kid now. Okay, now I can turn it off. No, we need to be living as if we're ready to share the good news in anything. Because I promise you, when you're looking for that, when you're looking for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus with people, God's going to show you. Because somebody's going to come up to you and be like, literally, I dare you. If you pray, God, help me to share your good news with people. I dare you. I believe that somebody will come up to you this week and be like, hey, man, I'm really struggling. Like, I just don't understand what this whole life thing is about and all that. And you'll be able to share the good news with somebody. Test me on it. I know it will happen. We have to share the good news. In fact, 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 15 says this. Let's flip there. 1 Peter chapter 3, 15 says this. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared to explain the hope that you have going on inside of you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. It's cool how Paul says this. Do it with gentleness and respect, which can be translated, do it peaceably. 
do it with peace, just as he says earlier um, in Ephesians. And so tonight, a lot of us in here have this good news in us, but what are we going to do with it? I want to remind us again, spiritually, we are either dead or alive. Spiritually, we're either dead or we're spiritually alive. We're either dead in sin or alive in Christ, and there's no middle ground. There's no, ah, maybe, ah, I don't know. Spiritually, we're either dead or alive. And although maybe some of you in this room might be spiritually alive and you might be enjoying Jesus, there are people, I know there are people in your lives that are not, that need the hope that you have. And God wants to, this is good news. God wants to use you, use your life, use every part of you to help share that good news with everyone. So I want to close out with this. What does this look like for us? What does this look like for us? The first thing I want to say is that we need, according to the Bible, to live ready. We need to live ready. It says, as your feet put on the shoes with the readiness that comes from the gospel. You might not be standing on the corner of the street yelling Bible verses at people, but that you're ready in every circumstance to share the good news that you have. And I believe in here, a lot of us in here have some good news, and we're sitting on it. We're keeping it clean instead of bringing it out. And I want to encourage you, the more that you bring out this good news, the easier it is to share it, the more evident it is to share it. You have what this world needs. You have what whoever, your brother, your mom, whoever in your family, you know they come to your mind when you think of somebody who needs the goodness of Jesus. You have what they need, and you can share it. Jesus' last words to his disciples before he went up to heaven was this. It's called the Great Commission. And in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 says this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said to him, go, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go to all nations and do as I have commanded you. Those are his last words. And we've learned from movies, we've learned from literature. We know that people's famous last words are usually very important. And so Jesus's ultimate goal is that I've come here and I've completed this work. I've completed this story of separation between us and God, our sin and God's righteousness. I have come and I've torn the veil and I've been your substitute. And so now don't keep it in, but share it with everyone. So let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. I have two invitations for us tonight. They're super simple. My first invitation is this. If you haven't had the opportunity to trust Jesus with your life, to ask him to be your Lord and Savior, then I wanna give you a moment. I wanna give us space to do so. Because I wanna remind us that church attendance and good deeds don't count up to a relationship with Christ. But trusting him as our Lord and Savior that he covered our sin does. And so if that is you tonight, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and we believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So if that's you tonight, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have messed up, but I wanna give you my life. Jesus, I know that you died for me so that I could have a relationship with you. And I wanna follow you today, tomorrow, and for the rest of my life. And if you're in here tonight and you just prayed that prayer, you're saying, I've never had a relationship with Jesus, but I wanna start one here tonight. Then I wanna invite you, as all heads are down and eyes are closed, I wanna invite you to raise your hand if that is you in here tonight. I just wanna give us space to accept this love that God has given us through Jesus, amen. My second invitation is this. If you're in here tonight and you are a believer, you're somebody who is trying their best to follow Jesus, but you wanna commit to spreading the good news of the gospel to your family, to your friends, to your school teams. You wanna commit to bringing your friends to church on Wednesday nights, Sunday nights. You wanna commit to being in a godly community. Then I wanna invite you to stand so that I can pray over you. Because I believe that when we pray, God hears us. So if you're in here tonight and you want to commit to spreading this good news of the gospel, then I want to invite you to stand. This is only if you're serious about spreading this good news. And it's okay if you're not. God still has a plan for you. But let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this group of amazing young people. God, thank you for what you've done in their lives, what you're doing, and what you're gonna do. God, I pray that you would give each of us in this room opportunities to share this good news. I pray that you would remind us of your gospel, that you would remind us that we are nothing apart from you, Jesus, that you would stir up a revival like we've talked about for months, that you would rise up in this student ministry, in this family, because of this good news. God, we pray that you would reach our schools through us, that you would reach our teams, that you would reach our families, because Jesus, you've given us what this world needs, and that's you. So thank you so much for these students. Thank you so much for all of this family that's happening here. We love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.